terms of moments, I think it's just one pitch at a time. I mean, yeah. that's the old analogy. But we always talk about one pitch at a time, you know, after a good pitch or a bad pitch. It doesn't really matter. What, you know, you just don't start getting mental when, when something's bad. I mean, you want green light. You want, you know, you want freedom uh, of the mind. And, and, you know, we talk about confidence, and it can be fragile. We get it. You know, one thing can, can get a guy off, off his uh, game. I think at the same time, it's, you know, building a physical game that they can trust, they believe in, you know, a mechanical game that they can believe in and trust, and then, you know, the, the mental game. And it just seems like everybody that's still stumbling in the middle or at the bottom haven't taken those extra action steps. So I just, I would keep encouraging our players to, at the end of the day, they have to be their own coach because these eight guys that left me over the last four and a half years, I didn't go with them. Yeah. I haven't coached them another day. I haven't even been to one of their games. Sure. I'm out. So we have to do a good job with our players while we have them because the day they leave, they're gone. And how much did you equip them for themselves to know their own identity? And these are a lot of different tools where you can build confidence in somebody because I believe confidence comes from skill acquisition. And how can you teach them how to coach themselves? You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Right back in your speakers and broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We stand as your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold, the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. A very special episode coming your way this week. Excited to open up this dialogue, but it's yet another gleaming example of how truly special this community of lifelong learners is to us and how fortunate we are to serve each of you and how grateful it is to be part of this fraternity along with you. For the first-timers dialing into the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe on your device so you never miss another show. Reviews and ratings are always appreciated. And share, share, and share. Get these out to everyone inside your baseball circle. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about what this baseball coaching fraternity here is all about. Plus, make sure you subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. You can catch up on season one of the road show, catch up with some Dallas convention podcast interviews, plus get ready for some new content coming your way this week. Head over to youtube.com slash ABCA1945 to find us and hit subscribe. Also, please feel free to reach out to me directly on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. You folks that deserve a little love on here, reaching out either through email, call, text, or open DMs. The first goes out to Mark Huftaling, who sent us a big-time email. Major love for the podcast and the content how this show is pushing him to leave the corporate world one of these days and get into youth baseball in some way to put this knowledge into action. So awesome, Mark. Huge thanks to you, my friend. Truly value you as a listener and a brother inside this game. And another one goes out to Stephen Morrison. He's an assistant coach at Oak Grove High School here in North Carolina. Loyal listener who finally felt the urge to cross over and become a member of the ABCA. Fires us up, Steve. Welcome into the fraternity, my man. And that is the power of this platform, guys. Why it's so important to share. It's challenging coaches to grow and develop. It's pushing others to want to get into coaching. Plus, it's spreading the word about the ABCA and growing this brotherhood. So 
Let's keep it rolling downhill. And the last shout out before we get into the show goes to our proud sponsor of this podcast, our great friends over at AstroTurf, the leaders in the clubhouse for the turf industry. Dive in and take a look at the new facilities at spots like Kentucky, Tulane. Check out the surface at Vanderbilt, WKU, Mizzou. Plus, jump online to play around with their field configurator. You can get on there and build your own AstroTurf field of dreams, complete with logos and everything. See what it might look like at your facility. Plus, give them a follow on social media at AstroTurf USA and make time to head over to their website, AstroTurf.com. That's AstroTurf.com and find out why AstroTurf has been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. And with that, we are right into this week's show. And this one is of the people, by the people, and for the people. We connect with two big-time pitching coaches and loyal ABC members in Butch Thompson from Auburn University and John Savage from UCLA. And we throw questions from you, the coaches and the listeners, right at them on air. We cover a myriad of topics from the pitching end. We talk development questions. We get into establishing routines. We go into mental game to teaching command. We talk arm slot issues to drop down and two-way guys. It's Butch and Sav off the cuff and breaking it down with two of arguably the absolute very best pitching minds in the college game. Track records are unapproachable. And what's even better than all that is they both are lifelong learners who love to share. Again, huge thanks to all the coaches who submitted questions on Twitter. We hope you hear your name called, and we cannot wait to dive headfirst into this episode with you. So with our long toss completed, we've mixed in a short flat ground, arm tubing done, got the towel around the neck, so let's have a seat in the bullpen with Butch Thompson from Auburn and John Savage from UCLA as they are our guests on this week's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Got a couple rock stars on the line with me today, and I'm excited to welcome in a a big conversation about pitching. And the unique thing about today's episode is that we're going to break down questions from our audience. We polled this on Twitter, got your questions. You'll hear those shout-outs, but it was a great way to connect the audience with the guest. And so we've got two guys I'm excited to bring to the table today. The first is the head coach at Auburn University, great friend of the ABCA, Butch Thompson. Butch, thanks for jumping on with us. Sheets, John, and everybody out in the ABCA land, I'm glad to be with you today. We're excited to have you. Also welcomed by another great friend of the ABCA, John Savage, head coach at UCLA. Sav, thanks for jumping on with us. Yeah, my pleasure, Sheets. Thanks for having me. This is great, man. And again, so thankful for you guys carving out some time in season for us. Uh, we had to wake up Savage awful early because we had to account for Pacific time. But we got you up and we got you up and showered and moving. But again, let's get into this conversation. And as we always start our shows, great way to talk about two guys who have been loyal and proud to be part of the ABCA. Uh, Butch, start us off on that. Just run through your ABCA experience, conventions, and what the association has done for you throughout your coaching career. Well, it's always been a platform of connection. Is the first word I would use. I just as a young coach, you know, you trying to take in all the information. You don't have all the answers yet. You really need to get started. So. You know, Brian Shoup at UAB always told me the first thing I ever learned was to teach what you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I needed to expand that. And the ABCA, ABCA was a great way to do that. And, and meeting coaches throughout the years and people sitting around, not just when in the lecture of just taking notes and notes and notes, but <laughs> also the after hours and spending time with coaches and, and just uh, building a Rolodex, so to speak, has been powerful. 
And then as you grow into multiple decades, now being in your third decade, you know, you're trying to figure out how you can give back. Mm. And there's a role, there's a role reversal of being in this for so long that you, you kind of move to the other side. Now, how can I invest? How can I make a difference and help out? So every step of the way has been growth and uh, it's been pretty neat. And I don't think there's any doubt that the ABCA has been a huge part of my journey personally. Man, I was really hoping you were going to say that you look forward to convention so you can get a bro hug from me. But, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a boy can dream. I'm going to keep, keep dreaming on that one. <laughs> That's part of it, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll edit that really well. I'll make sure that flows. Coach Savage, same question, man. Talking about the ABCA, you had a chance to host Barnstormers on your campus, and we're going to come back your way yeah. and hang out in L.A. this <laughs> fall. Just talk about what the ABCA has meant to you. You know, I feel the same way uh, as Butch. It's just so important that we, we keep learning. Uh, find different ways to do different things. Uh, you know, I, I look back at Coach Bob Bennett and, and Mark Marquez and some of the really, you know, gigantic uh, pioneers on the West Coast mm-hmm. uh, at Stanford and Fresno State and how much they invested in, in young coaches back in the day and just how much they wanted to share. And I just think, you know, like Butch said, it's it's a it's a it's our job and our our duty really to to keep you know, keep on with that and, and carrying on information and helping younger coaches and, you know, in different regions and in your regions and small schools and big schools and private schools and public and you name it, everybody has challenges and everybody has different scenarios, but, you know, it's a game that we all love and we cherish and respect. And, you know, it's, I think it's our, you know, uh, duty, I guess what, but like Butch said is to, keep on passing information and, and keep on gathering information and, and and trying to do our players the best we can do. That's fantastic. Well, again, thank you guys for being so proud to be part of this association where it's going. And, you know, I'm laughing because I'm looking up at the board and our, our, our shows, you know, but you got to kick this whole thing off inside of uh, episode number one. And John, you came on episode 10. So we put some distance between, you know, the first episodes and then bringing you guys back on and, and it couldn't be again, primed, in a better way in terms of the seasons that you guys are having, the evolution of your programs. But again, we're going to focus on pitching. That is the the primary focus inside this and a lot of different topics. I'm going to be going a lot of different directions. Uh, but what I'm excited about is, again, these questions do come from our audience. And the first one we're going to hit you with, uh, and John, I want you to start us off with this one, is Joe Taylor is in the Portland Baseball Club up in the Northwest at Portland BB Club. He hit us with command, talking about command of pitches, the ability to throw strikes. Number one, do you think it can be taught? So if you do have a pitcher with a lot of great attributes about him but just doesn't find the strike zone as much in the high school level, can that be taught when he comes into your program and then inside of your program? How do you reinforce it? What unique things are you doing in the bullpen or in the game to to make those guys uh, focus on throwing strikes? Well, I think it's very important that you know everybody's talking about velocity and everybody's talking about uh, you know, spin rate and mm-hmm. extension and, and tunnels and, you know, all those things work, work, work with, with what we're talking about. But yeah. command is, is, is critical. Uh, command is a, a thing where, uh, you know, the first thing I do is when I go to see a high school pitcher is I go behind the plate and see if he can really move the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, can he, can he pitch to his glove side? Can he pitch to his arm side? Uh, you know, is it, com- is it command first control? Is he throwing quality strikes or he just kind of, I call it a Mr. Middle. Is he just throwing in the middle? Mm-hmm. Then he misses. Then he's mm-hmm. in the middle and he misses. So I believe command is, is something that, you know, all good pitchers have. 
you know, the hard throwers, the soft throwers, uh, you know, uh, regardless of how hard they throw, command is, is critical. I mean, I go back and, and, and look at the, you know, the two out of three and hitting the glove and the down angle. And, you know, those are our premises really at UCLA. And so we work on command every single day within 90 feet. Uh, okay. You know, it's, it's 90 and 75 and 60 and 45. And our, our main premise really is, is, is commanding the ball, hitting the target outside of 90. We let the arm breathe a little bit, obviously, and, mm-hmm. and, and it'll build up arm strength. It's like putting weight on the bar, you know? So yeah. uh, we believe that, it, you know, it is instinctual. Uh, you do, you do go and try to find it obviously, but uh, we feel we also can really teach it and, and, and uh, improve it. And we believe that, you know, dominating the baseball and getting on top of the baseball and, and behind the baseball and there's different ways with the head, you know, behind the ball and there's different ways to improve command. And, and there's, you know, a lot of, you know, front side strength and, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors, but yeah. uh, at our level, Butch knows his command is, is, you know, a huge part of any pitcher's success. And, and, and if you don't, then, you know, you just run into, you run into trouble. And it, we build off the fastball at UCLA and, and we, you know, we want to command the fastball on both sides of the plate. And if they, if they don't, then we, we try to really go to their strength and command one side of the plate. So, uh, mm-hmm. and then there's some guys that have to pitch in the middle of the plate and they got to pitch down. So yeah. I think every individual is a little different, but at the end of the day, uh, command can be taught, uh, and, and certainly improved. That's fantastic. Butch, how would you tackle that? Can it be taught? And what are you doing inside of the Auburn program that really helps maybe reinforce it for those guys? Well, you know, John's on top of it. And we think he's, you know, arguably he is the best pitching mind, I think, in our college game today. And, you know, I know I've reached out in the past. And so hearing his answer makes me, you know, more convicted of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. A few things, as John was talking, um, is I think you get good at what you focus on. So Yeah. Um, I, and I do think that command is a piece of the pie, you know, so it's not the whole pizza, but it's at the same time, it's a, it's a huge piece and maybe the biggest piece. Wow. Um, the definition of command is authority over. If you mm-hmm. can't have authority over the baseball or your mind or uh, your body moving through space, you, you'll encounter challenges. From a mechanical standpoint that I don't walk into a whole lot, I really feel like command, and John said it with the head. and yeah. I think it's um, I think the head, your glove, and your front foot are your primary locators, or or hmm. are, are your locators, and figuring out which one may be the most primary may help you simplify and really help you find out. I think the back side of the body is more for you know your electricity and for your drive and mm-hmm. for your stuff to show up. But I, I think trying to find a with our young guys, especially we're throwing five pitchers right now that you know has had a decrease in command as our season's gone on and. You can see how they're having more struggles now. And so I'm at a point in time in our season where I know that command authority over the baseball is yeah. paramount to yeah. being able to have success. From a recruiting standpoint, I'm glad John touched on that, but Hal Baird gave me, I think, some of the most simple, best advice I've ever heard. And Hal's Auburn's all-time winning as head coach. He said, hey, count two things when you're recruiting. Count swing and misses within the confines of the strike zone. If you mm-hmm. thought the ball was in the strike zone and a pitcher got a swing and miss, you know, note that, mm-hmm. chart that, um, and then count three ball counts. And if you can wow. get a pitcher that presents to you, if you can get a pitcher that presents to you swing and misses within the confines of the strike zone, then he has something going on. Yep. You know, the hitter's yep. telling you mm-hmm. something. Uh, and then if you're just getting a guy that you're not 
that's not going to three ball counts and you're getting guys getting swinging misses in the strike zone. Just the simplicity of that from a recruiting standpoint, if you just apply those two things as you're doing your, your normal thing of what you think is important, uh, was really a, a huge takeaway for me. Wow. We are off and rolling downhill. That's fantastic for the first question. Number two, Isaac Hamilton. He's a varsity pitching coach at Rogers High School in Minnesota. That's at Coach Hamilton 3. Uh, he's talking about messing with hitters' timing. And do you encourage this with your players, Butch? Start us on this one. Do you encourage that? Do you talk about that? Is that something that is maybe a, a staff discussion or is it more of an individual discussion? And then advice when you're looking down to the high school level. Is that something that these guys on that level as coaches should be talking about with their players? Yeah, I'm glad the man was number two, yeah. uh, was number one. Yeah. You know, getting into getting into creativity is is a huge part of mm-hmm. you know how you get out of the herd, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, um, you know, I got to have conviction, ownership, intent, and creativity. Mm-hmm. Those are four huge words that that I really like to try to stick on our guys. And you know, some of them I make those are one, two, three, four, and for for different guys, those may be numbered differently. Yes, yeah. depending on who they are and what they're trying to do. Um, but creativity is something that I think that we have to continue to try to embrace mm-hmm. uh, with our guys uh, because really, uh, <laughs> you know, the best way I think I've <clears throat> ever heard was Will Clark spoke to our pitching staff when I was an assistant at Mississippi State. and He said the goal, the main goal of pitching, in his opinion, was to take this thing out of the swing. Mm. And whenever, whenever you can alter time and rhythm, because your stuff is your stuff. Yeah. You know your stuff. Yeah. Uh, or, you, or you need to have an awareness of your stuff. That's very important. But your ability to take this thing out of the swing, you know, sometimes what we find is just an amateur pitcher just throwing harder and harder and harder. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes texturing pitches. And it, it's not just having a fastball, a breaking ball, and a changeup. Sometimes it's throwing two different speeds of a fastball. That's right. Two different speeds or two different quadrants or two different command spots for a breaking ball and then, you know, a, a change up that can be presented more than one way. That's creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, leg lift is a creativity. Tanner Burns, our number one works on that a lot because his 94, he couldn't throw 97 at the time. And how was he going to try to take the sting out of the swing? Mm-hmm. Um, opening up that creativity, uh, piece. I know drop down. We'll probably talk about guys with lower slots yeah. and, and how you get there. But, um, allowing somebody to be creative um, is is huge, and it'll allow them to to not just try to go to a range that they can't, that's probably not safe for health, that's uh, above their ceiling or where they're at, mm-hmm. because sometimes command's found where you really have control over the ball uh, each and every pitch. Yeah, that that when we're comparing that, especially to the high school guys, I think strength would factor in, but then finding consistency, right? If you can get creative but and be consistent with it, then I think we could do it at the high school level. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. And I just, I think that's the whole deal of a coach is to, to keep pushing somebody just to not to be a, a jar, just another righty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's okay. Just to not to have average stride length and average release point. And all those things can be tested to allow somebody to get out of the herd. And I think that's attractive to the next level. That's it. John, how would you tackle that question? Well, I, I, you know, I agree with Butch, everything you said that the, you know, the repeating, uh, repeating yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all, all high, high level pitchers repeat their deliveries. Uh, we always talk about having rhythm to be on time. Uh, you must have rhythm to your, 
balance, to your separation, to your front side, to your takeaway, you know, out of the glove. I mean, you must have rhythm to be on time. Mm. Uh, so we don't confuse the words, you know. I think deception and stuff, uh, you know, we all want, we all want both uh, as, as college coaches and, mm-hmm. and, and coaches, but I think you must have one. Uh, hitters will tell you if, you know, if you are deceiving or not. Uh, they'll tell you if your speeds are too close to yeah. each other. Uh, you know, differentials are, are very critical. Uh, stuff helps, you know, get, get the paintbrush out a lot of times and, and cover things up. Yeah. Uh, you know, just you may overpower somebody, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I believe with like Butch said, it's, it's not hard, hard, hard. It's, it's, it's really, um, you know, uh, changing speeds, uh, you know, making sure your change is not too hard, making sure your change is not too loud. Uh, it's on the same train track as, as, as the fastball, you know, we, we consider the slider to be a power pitch. We want the slider to, to look like a, a fastball that's, you know, uh, in the middle plate or off the plate mm-hmm. curveball, obviously, changes you know high levels mm-hmm. but uh, you know greg maddox had a great thing the louder the crowd the the slower the ball you know uh, he, he he yeah i mean wow. he said whenever he heard the crowd you know he, he'd always throw it a little softer rather than harder and you know obviously greg figured it out at a very you know young age but uh disrupt timing is so important uh you can disrupt timing uh just on on where the ball is on the plate if it's in you know, you got the effective velocity, you know, stuff going. And yeah. if the ball's away, uh, you got an early barrel or, you know, you got a barrel that hooks or, you know, there's just so many different ways to manipulate a hitter. It's just, uh, you know, like, like Butch said, you got to be able to throw to different quadrants of the plate, uh, in, out, up, down. Um, uh, and, and like, like I said, uh, you know, the deception part of it, uh, can, can be helped with a, a strong front side. Mm-hmm. It could be helped with, you know, clearly extension. Uh, so there's a lot of factors, but disrupting timing is, is the name of the game. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, if you can do that, um, uh, you know, you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, manipulate the, the, the bat, you know, bat speed and, 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 uh, the mind, obviously the mind is a major factor, uh, when you're when dealing with hitters and, mm-hmm. Uh, that combination can get really strong throughout throughout a game. Gosh, it's outstanding. Love to hear words like deception and creativity and all those coming out of that answer. Okay, third one I got for you guys. Greg Thomas Jr., coach at Windsor Academy down in Georgia. That's at Coach G underscore Thomas. And he's talking about attacking the running game, really working to uh, make sure that his players are ready, especially on the high school level, they're ready and they can show U.S. college recruiters that you know they can attack those guys on the bases. They know how to be quick to the plate. They've they varying up holds and looks and all those different things. So, John, inside of UCLA, how do you teach and reinforce this in your program? Because certainly every guy that comes in isn't as polished as you want them. So what are the steps that you're taking to make sure the priority when a runner is on base, those guys are ready for that challenge? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, we talk about power pitchers. You know, I've had Mark Pryor and, and Garrett Cole and you know, some, some, you know, Trevor Bauer and, and guys that, you know, obviously are power guys that had good legs. Yeah. And so I think you get that myth right off the, right off the get go that, Hey, regardless of who you are, you can, you can have a good leg. And, and we, you know, we talk about the one, three leg and the one, two, five leg. And, you know, that, that's important. Uh, you got to, you have to practice that. 
clearly in your bullpen. You know, you have to have a watch, and they got to be practicing at the at the same pace yeah. that you want them to pitch at. Uh, there's some days maybe you, you don't use the watch, and, and there's some days you certainly do use the watch. But um, you know, I think holds are very important. You talked about I talked about disrupt timing of a hitter. You can disrupt the timing of of you know of a base running mm-hmm. a base runner, a, a short hold, a long hold. Uh, you know, uh, we kind of talk about 1001, 1000 is like the sweet spot for a good for a good jump. So we may do that, let's say, on a pitch out. We may do that on an elevated fastball, you know, where uh, we're not inviting them to run, but we're, we're, we're timed up to where we can throw the guy out and, and, and throw that specific yeah. pitch. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a different level. But, uh, you know, we just believe that, uh, you know, number one premise is, is making the pitch. I mean, you have to be able to be just as good in the stretch as you are in the windup. We don't want to be 92 in the windup and, 87 in the stretch so we practice a lot out of the stretch we move from stretch to wind up a lot of the times we we mm. we really i uh, went to you know we're, we could be 60 40 a lot of times in the stretch versus the wind up so we practice a lot yeah. out of the stretch even on flat ground so you know they get very comfortable in that linear position they get comfortable with their hands you know the ball in the glove ball in the hand i think that's a you know that's just a you know, a matter of, uh, you know, feel or a matter of maybe a coach's opinion. I don't think that's a, you know, we, we keep the ball in the glove, but, you know, we do have a pick where we, you know, we pick on the way up and yep. we pick from the set and, and, uh, there's no umpires listening. We do have a, a little bit of a box move every now and then, but, <laughs> sure. uh, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's timing. Um, uh, we think the longer the hold, the, the, the worse the jump. Uh, or, or short hold worse mm. to jump. We think that, uh, the hold is critical. They have to practice the holds. They got to practice making multiple pitches in, in all different counts. Uh, you know, the running game, we take a lot of pride in, uh, each year we want to be near the top or at the top of the Pac 12 mm-hmm. in, in, you know, base running attempts and, and people, and people getting thrown out. And, and then Butch will tell you, if, if you're pretty efficient there, you know, a lot of times it will take care of itself. Um, you know, they won't, they won't run as much. And, you know, sometimes if you're bad in that game, it's, it's run children run, you know, it, yeah. it could really be exposed in, in a, an ugly way. And one of our deals is, you know, Hey, they start at first, they, they end up at first and mm-hmm. good things happen when you keep runners at first, you know, yeah. double play, yeah. double in the gap, the guy doesn't score, you get the next out when they get the second and third, it's, it's, you know, the odds of them scoring obviously are, are much, much higher. So, we take a lot of pride on, on um, keeping runners at first base, and and uh, we really get into it. We you know we go through all our left-handed picks in, in our pre pre-practice workouts, and and we do our you know all our holds and 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 our footwork and our direction and our short you know short arm stroke. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors in the running game that we really uh, you know we really grasp, and uh, we take a lot of pride in. So. Uh, but you, you know, the, 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 big thing is they just can't lose their, their mentality. They, you know, number one is the hitter. I mean, we yeah. still focus on the hitter, but at the same time, it's, you got to, you know, two birds with one stone, you got to be able to do two things at one time. And if you are basic and, uh, you know, your foundation is good, then a lot of times it'll take care of, of, uh, you know, the running game. And, uh, it's just so critical, you know, out out on the west it just there's a, there's you know a lot of a lot of movement and and a lot of runners and 
a lot of, uh, you know, people trying to expose, uh, stealing third base and your heads and your looks. And, yep. you know, I could talk all day about it, as you can imagine, but, uh, you know, the, the shutting the running day, running game down is, uh, you know, is, is a big deal, but number a, you have to, you have to be a good pitcher and you got to be able to pitch out of the stretch and then B you can start grooming those guys and in that, you know, without them thinking about it, because the main focus clearly has to be on the pitch. Yeah. Well, as the only base running uh, guy on the call here, and, and I'm speaking for all of us here when I say that I think the majority of programs out there use UCLA on their counts, which I'm sure you've heard before, but relative to that, so relative to your specific guy on the mound and him trying to vary his timings, is there someone in your dugout maybe dedicated to charting that for your staff so you can approach tendencies or talk about traps that we're falling into? And a second part of this, how else is it reinforced in terms of, um, you know, post catch play? Is there a, a freedom within your staff to go work on these things or post bullpen or a segment inside of practice or throughout the week that really is dedicated towards working specifically on this, John? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we do our picks. We have two bullpens in between every start. Our Friday guy will pitch, uh, we'll throw a 20 pitch fastball change bullpen on Monday. And he goes, we call it a pick series. So he goes through all his picks. Okay. Uh, he'll throw, He'll throw a fastball change, 10 pitch bullpen, and then he'll go, he'll run some sprints. He'll come back, catch his breath, and try to execute pitches the last 10, and then he'll go into all his picks, gotcha. uh, you know, his, his pick series. And then, you know, just from the dugout, we always have, always have a watch. We have a pitcher, our UCLA pitcher tendency, so we have mm-hmm. every count that we're throwing and every, every hold. But, you know, we try to teach them when is the best time to run and when are the running moments and, you know, sometimes you get ambushed, obviously, and you know, boy, you get you get surprised on that. But at the end of the day, you got to know the concepts of when they want to get to second base, or you know, when they want to get to third base, and you know who the runners are, and uh, you know, so forth. But we just train everybody's pretty much the same, okay. all right-handers for you know left-handers. But uh, we do all pick series during practice. Uh, do our, you know during our individual work, we may have a segment, but we we don't do our picks. Uh, you know, on that second bullpen, we just concentrate on making pitches mm-hmm. on that Wednesday bullpen. But on that Monday, uh, the picks are a big part because we feel that you have to be hot to, you know, to execute your, 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 uh, you know, ability to shut down the running game. And there's no better time to do that after a short bullpen. That's it. Butch, how would you tackle that right? in terms of how you're tackling that with the Tigers of, of really approaching the running game and teaching it and reinforcing it within your guys? Take us into that. Well, I think John did an excellent job. So I just want to kind of support and draw out some of the things that he said. Sure. Repeat it, basically. Um, I guess my best conversation I had was Curtis Granderson. So to just hammer the point of the ability to hold the baseball. Yeah. When you ask, you know, a, a veteran, a major league guy, that, that that's part of his uh, skill set. And he says the toughest thing for me was the pitcher's ability to hold the baseball. Mm. So it's always good to try to when you get an opportunity to talk to the best in the world to reiterate what you bring back to your guys so Mm -hmm. that's street cred to bring back when we talk to our guys and i couldn't agree more with holding baseball um you know practice is for the coaches and the games for the players so i think practice is really important when when john's mentioning you know picks on those bullpen days and going through a pick progression we also try to make sure that we're picking in our pen and then locating a pitch and i think a lot of coaches mm-hmm. for guys that are really trying to build command with their pitchers, it's really something to draw out and make a point to them is how are we locating the ball after a pick. 
So I think that needs to be blended in to, you know, there's a pick, but then there's a there's an expectation of command That's to right. the plate there's on pitch. the very next pitch. Yeah. So there, there's another step yeah. uh, there. Power of 90 feet, you know, of, of two outs. You better be ready for somebody to advance to second with one out to third, all those mm-hmm. different things. But, you know, there's seven more ways to score from third with less than two outs, you know, sure. than there are second. So the power of 90 feet, um, it coaches know it. But, you know, I don't think a mark of a good coach is what the coach knows. I think a mark of a good coach is what the players know. So, yeah. so them being armed with that information is unbelievable to me. And, you know, we try to, we try to pick the first base in one second in practice mm-hmm. with our right-handers and our left-handers with our step-off. Can we get inside of one second? And I sometimes – I really want our guys to practice, to practice quicker than the game. Yes. Because the worst thing that can happen in our sport is for a guy to get sped up. (laughs) And if we can make practice in some of these instances, especially with attacking the running game, if we can make some of the practice segments quicker than a game, then we can relax more in a game. Because when the opposite happens, um, you know, there's there's some challenges that await. (laughs) And then the last piece, the thing that I would draw out is, how can we dominate the running game Stop their advancement. Keep them at first base, whatever you want to say, and not sacrifice stuff, meaning Mm -hmm. velocity, meaning Mm -hmm. path of pitch, meaning tunneling pitches, and meaning all of that. How can we get somebody to dominate the running game but not sacrifice their stuff? That is the end goal for for me. Yeah, guys are fantastic. Okay, this is an interesting one because I think we've all been here and I think a lot of coaches have been here, and I love the way this this question came out. Good friend of the podcast, Mike Schneider, assistant at Bellevue West High School there in Omaha at Coach Schneid twenty eight. He brings up a really good a really good question here in terms of how do you handle pitchers who struggle to bring bullpen success to the game mound? And that's you know kind of that that running joke of don't leave your best stuff down the bullpen, man. This is where it matters out here. Butch, have you encountered that? How do you handle it? How do you approach it? What are the steps involved to, to get that to show up in the game? Encounter it every year, I believe. That oh, I've coached, there you uh, go. That's been part of the process for for somebody. You know, we yeah. all have a top end and a middle and a bottom to our staff and how that shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I guess I'm quirky and, um, you know, I, I want them to maybe, if I know a guy struggling with this, the first thing is have a conversation before mm-hmm. you leave that bullpen of like, all right, because I think a pitcher stuff sets up differently every day. Hmm. So what was working right here? I want them to have awareness. So, you know, I'm a guy that I really like my guys to have conviction and ownership and be able to run their own show. But I know, you know, at the high school level, and I know this is an argument for a different day on on, uh, (laughs) who's calling pitches and all that stuff. That's not for this question. (laughs) Um, But, if you're doing all the thinking for a pitcher, then you're going to have to ask some questions for them to tap in or they'll, their awareness will die yep. on the vine. Mm. You have to have their awareness of like what's set up. If you're doing all the thinking for them, they will not tap into awareness unless they know questions are coming. So, you know, how did the fastball on both sides of the plate set up? What's oh. the movement patterns of it? Uh, what off-speed pitches the best? Because, you know, Skip Burton calls it the inevitable too. 
we're talking about a starter going in for the first inning, you know. The inevitable, too, is because the strike zone's smaller and the umpire's not loosened up yet. The inevitable, too, runs that you give up in the first inning is because you didn't get at least one pitch ready yeah. and really set. Uh, the inevitable, too, is because eventually you might get out of the inning because the six-hole hitter's coming to the plate. Um, but I love the concept of, like, bringing some awareness out of that bullpen. Mm. Draw of what we just did a great job of instead of just getting in that rut of, like, well, he just can't take his stuff to the pen, to the, to the mound. And then count the steps one day. All right, it's 182 steps from our bullpen to the game mound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're just – you're piecing the thing together. Sure. Ultimately, um, all of us as coaches know that, you know, there's different timing for players when they come into their own, when the light bulb goes off, when they reach um, that moment. Um, but we've got to just keep having some things without overdoing it, some, some positive steps, some communication, some that this is the same. Um, you don't have to carry five tools into the first inning, yeah. but you better carry one or two yeah. that you really believe in. Um, so I, I think it's just conversations because ultimately we're not throwing the pitch. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, that resides with the, with the player and you stick with them. But, um, and I just know the hitter tells you everything. I sure. think that was something John was alluding to a few moments ago, the taking that feedback from the hitter. You're not trying to strike guys out. You're trying to get one pitch going. You're just trying to take mm. the, thing out of the swing so what's the most important thing in the first inning for you is to get something set the command of that um and, and what will work to get you off to a good start there's a lot of pitchers their ability to get out of the first inning you know sets their whole day that's in it. motion that's it oh my gosh well okay so sad first question is do you encounter this every year and second of all what do you do to, when pitchers do struggle uh, to bring that bullpen arsenal to the game out. Well, I, I agree with, with Butch. I mean, you're only as good as what your player knows. I mean, it's, it's, we mm -hmm. could all talk and at, at conventions and we can talk about this or that, but really your players are going to tell you how well you're communicating with them. Uh, feedback from the player is, is critical awareness. Like Butch said, stressors, you know, if they have any stressors, um, you know, are they, are they worried about their arm? Are they worried about school? Are they worried about something that they're not present? The only way to get mm. is really to be more present on what you're doing. So in terms of bullpens and, 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 you know, being different than the game, every, you know, we have the, we have the hitter stand in. I think that's really good for hitters, timing, recognition. I think it's really good for pitchers to have, uh, you know, live bait, I guess I call it. Uh, uh, you know, having, having somebody in the, in the, in the box, uh, you know, that there is that three man game that you're talking about the hitter, the catcher and the umpire that they're mm -hmm. looking at every single day. So, you know, try to create that visual a little bit is very critical, uh, right-handed, left-handed. You could have a stand in hitter with a helmet on and, and you cut off a bat, uh, to where maybe they can get, you know, swings off. Uh, you know, off strikes right. and take balls right. uh, for your hitters. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a combination you can do. Uh, you know, we like working counts during bullpens. We have competitive bullpens and then we have routine bullpens. Routine bullpens are just, Hey, you got two, two, you know, two away, two middle, two in four chains, three, you know, those are our routines. And mm -hmm. then, and then we have counts, 
you know, I think every pitch you throw in a game has, has a count attached to it. So you have to train them to be comfortable in counts. So uh, a lot of times I'll send a, a pitch into the, to the, to the uh, catcher without the pitcher knowing what's coming. And hmm. then they have to adjust on the fly. They got, okay, oh, oh, curveball. Okay, here it goes. You know, one oh, you know, fastball in or fastball away or change. And, you know, so I think, I think counts are really big in, in bullpens. Uh, when you talk about competitive bullpens, uh, preparing them for the game, um, you know, you do want to make it as, as close as you possibly can between the chalk. Um, and, and you do that with a, with a stand in, you do that with catchers with gear on, uh, you do that with, with counts, uh, you know, you can throw an inning, uh, and then sit down, uh, you know, take mm-hmm. a little time and get up and throw your warm ups and, and throw another inning. So you maybe do some two inning, two, two, three inning stints. Yep. So they kind of get up and they get down and, you know, you can simulate that stuff. Mm-hmm. If, you know, I think that's always healthy, particularly at the beginning of the year. Uh, so they have, you know, uh, we, we use different baseballs. They don't just throw one ball during the bullpen. We, you know, they, they can throw six or seven, then we flip them a new ball and, you know, they have to adjust to a new ball. And, mm-hmm. and so there's everything that we want to create in a game. Uh, you know, we even have a pitch and foul ball bull, bullpen where, you know, they're throwing a new ball every couple pitches off a of foul ball. So, uh, you know, we don't want to get too, uh, I don't know if you want to call it mental or not. I guess this is mental, but you just want to create situations to where it's game-like. And mm. we think a stand-in, we think, uh, you know, competing in the bullpen, competing in the game is, is where we compete. We work on all our mechanical stuff in our flat grounds and our long toss and our, you know, in the outfield and then in, in the bullpen is game. So uh, we don't talk to them a whole lot when they throw their bullpens. We don't want to disrupt. The one thing that I'm sure Butch will tell you, you, you don't want a pitching coach talking too much. You know, you don't want a guy talking to a pitcher after every pitch and a 20 pitch bullpen turns into 45 minutes. It's just, it's just not, it's just no flow. There's sure. no rhythm. And, and uh, you know, you want to give feedback. You don't want to be silent a lot of times, but you know, you want to have a little rhythm to it. You want to, you want to build up flow and you want to build up momentum in a pitcher and, and confidence. I think, I think there's ways to, to help a guy. Uh, you know, we, like Butch said, every year you have a starter that starts off slow and he, and he gets, you know, he gets going in the third inning and the fourth inning and then the sixth innings is best. And, you know, some guys are just, I mean, Tom Glavin was notorious for, for being a bad starter. You know, if you look mm-hmm. at his career, so, no one, else, no one really has the magic potion on that, but I think you can create, uh, you know, like, like Butch said, you can get feedback, you know, what is, you know, what is their stressor that day? And, and uh, you know, guys can't be worried about their health and they can't be worried about their mechanics for them to compete. I, I, I do know that. They just, you know, when guy's playing with his arm or he's t- tweaking with his mechanics, it, you know, the ability to make pitches is thrown out. Yeah. You're, you're just not going to be able to do it. So I just, you know, we, we really believe that, you know, certain areas in, in the bullpen for certain areas on, on the outfield, certain, you know, that what are you working on in what particular area? And that way it really, uh, you know, simplifies it for the player and they can really focus on, you know, what you wanted to be focusing on. That's it. I think this is a great segue into, and you kind of opened the door there, 
this next question from John J. Gold. He's assistant at Albertus Magnus College in Connecticut at John J. Gold 2. And he's talking about that, John. He's talking about middle game preparation. So, again, probably off the field as we build back into fall practice and throughout the winter and throughout the spring. How are we inside of our programs preparing these guys mentally? What are the conversations like, the meetings, the the reinforcements, the mantras inside that? And then do you see any difference between high-intensity spots and low spots? So, again, high-intensity, crowd going, tie ball game late versus up five, down five uh, midweek. Do you see any difference to that? John, kick us off with that one. Well, I mean, the mental game is, you know, we could talk all day about that. Right. I mean, we want to, we want to really simplify it. It's something where, uh, you know, it's conviction. It's about being present. It's just, you know, have the ability to have to, to go to something that, you know, that you can, that can relax you, mm-hmm. uh, something that you can kind of get back into the moment. Uh, there's all different, you know, all different ways. I mean, we can talk about that, uh, you know, but, you know, in terms of moments, um, I think it's just, you know, one pitch at a time. I mean, yeah. that's the old analogy, but I think that's, and we always talk about one pitch at a time, you know, after a good pitch or a bad pitch, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. what, you know, you just don't start getting mental when you, when, you know, when, when, when something's bad, I mean, you want green lights, you want, you know, you want freedom yeah. uh, of the mind. And, 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 you know, we talk about confidence and it could be fragile. We get it. You know, one thing can, can get a guy off, off his uh, game, like Butch said, but I think at the same time, it's, it's, uh, you know, building a, a physical game that they can trust and they, they, they believe in, uh, you know, a mechanical game that they can believe in and trust. And then, you know, and then, and then the, the, the mental game, I mean, uh, it's just so critical that, uh, you know, the ability to pitch out of problems and, the ability to be a right-handed pitcher and get seven left-handed hitters out. And, you know, I mean, you, you have to prepare them and, mm-hmm. and you got to talk to them and, and see what they're thinking. And, you know, sometimes guys are very, very simple. Some guys sometimes, you know, clearly sometimes overthink and then there's underthinking. So, uh, you know, I, I don't have a great, you know, magic answer for that. I just think that each player's a little different, uh, you know, uh, some, some guys are visual. You can talk to them. Some guys are, are, uh, you know, they, they, they see themselves in a mirror and, and go through their, their, their deliveries and, you know, they can, they, they get uh, really good feedback there. They can, they can, you know, look at video. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they can obviously feel themselves moving in space, mm-hmm. like Butch said. Uh, so everybody's a little different in that. And I think you just can't clone guys in terms of being, you know, you're not, you're not rushing the quarterback. You know, you're not, you're not out of control. You're not, you're not, you know, it's not a, you're not chasing down the, you know, the quarterback. And, uh, you know, what, what is the, the sweet spot mentally for you that uh, are you going to be able to, you know, to get external? Yeah. We want to get external. Uh, we want to get, uh, you, know, uh, you know, competitive. And, and we got to commit. And then, you know, that's all we really try to control is our approach and then anything happens after that you know we deal with that's it uh butch how would you tackle that mental game prep in terms of what's being done inside your program and do you see any difference between you know the different opportunities that could that could approach your guys on the mound i think it's a huge component i think it's bigger than ever as far as being mm-hmm. talked about i think the box the box is open now to this being part of 
a package, a piece of that pie, if you will. Yeah. We talked about velocity. Yeah. We talked about command. We talked about attacking the running game. Uh, the mental side has never been more at the forefront, and it's a piece. Mm. Um, my biggest influence, and I just keep encouraging people everywhere to, you know, if they want to know more, or you know, about throwing programs and and, and the mental side of it. I think Alan Jagger is a leader in mm-hmm. in the country on that. If that's a guy you can get connect connection with, or if that's a guy that you can get your hands on whatever publications and stuff that he's put out and he's trying to get the simple thought. I've always tried to use the word autopilot. Mm-hmm. I think the state we're trying to get to, I think in sports, we kind of, we call it the zone, but I think an autopilot is a subconscious motion of where, and you guys, when you're throwing your best six or seven innings can go by and it feels like a blur instead of like grinding gears mm-hmm. where you're overthinking and move low. Um, Alan's been a huge influence. I remember as a young pitcher being from Mississippi with not a lot of baseball IQ around, period, anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get my hands on H.A. Dorfman's book, The Middle ABCs of Pitching. Sure. I still think that stands the test of time. I, I wouldn't care if it's a 120 year old book. It's the best, one of the best resources that I've ever looked at. Heads Up Baseball is another. Um, but those are a couple of stalwarts for me of impacts of the mental game. Um, we just, we get, we get sad and we get down. Um, especially young pitchers. Uh, Doug Sisson, that was on my staff a couple of years ago, he's now back with the um, Chicago White Sox and running their farm system. He told our players one time after a tough little stretch a week or so, he's like, let me tell you something, you're not allowed to be sad until the end of the year. We have to stay focused and clear on doing everything we can because if you get sad in the middle of a journey, there will be a tremendous amount of regrets. And coaches, we're supposed to protect the player from looking back and having regrets. That was just really powerful for me. Um, mm. I would also keep encouraging. If I was at a high school, I would get a one-minute tape, a video of just good pitches from the windup versus yeah. a righty versus a lefty, a guy making a pitch, you know, mm-hmm. out of bases loaded, second, third, or in a big moment making a pitch. And, you know, we're, we're to the point now with this technology that can pretty much get it to their phone. Yeah. And I would just encourage, you know, a night, a, a night before an outing, if they could look at themselves – have success over and over for one minute yeah. and then visualize for five minutes. Just close your eyes and visualize, you know, something good happening the next day. It has a tendency to relax you a little bit. And I would do that for everybody because sometimes if we're not in a very confident spot, we kind of think of everything that, um, uh, that could go bad, everything that could go wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a reinforcement of, of the good. And then the last thing I think pictures is, archaic as it may seem i think you got a journal because mm. there's nothing more frustrating you journal every day of something that you learned something that didn't go right the coaching staff now in college baseball we can do a video a video journal to kind of keep up with a guy each month that he plays in your program and you can look back when something's not going right and kind of see if there's something a little bit off or a little bit different but just old school pen and paper and journal because if you keep falling in the same trap don't know falling in the same hole and don't know how to get out of it. And then I can just look to one of my guys like, well, have you looked back at your journal when you were here before? Yeah. Um, I think every guy, you know, the last four and a half years, I've had eight guys descended to making it to major league baseball, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Just love those guys. And they did all the work, but I'm pretty sure all eight of those committed to doing some of these outside the box things and really journaling and really finding their own selves through that more than a coach's influence. And it just seems like everybody that's still stumbling in the middle or at the bottom haven't taken those 
extra action steps. So I just I would keep encouraging our players to, at the end of the day, they have to be their own coach because these eight guys that left me over the last four and a half years, I didn't go with them. Yeah. I hadn't coached them another day. I, hadn't even, I haven't even been to one of their games. Sure. I'm out. Mm-hmm. So we have to do a good job with our players while we have them because the day they leave, they're gone. Yeah. And how much did you equip them for themselves to know their own identity? And these are a lot of different tools where you can build confidence in somebody because I believe confidence comes from skill acquisition. And how can you teach them how to coach themselves? Wow. I want to add something on that, too. I, I think that's a, a great point. Um, getting to know themselves through maturity and discipline. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board with what Butch just said. I think, uh, you know, a journal, uh, identifying their strengths, identi- you know, self-evaluation mm-hmm. uh, while they're with you. Uh, their strengths, their their areas of improvement, uh, which is another term for weaknesses, obviously. But uh, you know, it it's it's critical. And the more they get to know their game, they know the more they know what to you know where to go, what to stay away from, and that goes for nutrition and strength and and you know uh, you know uh, you know long toss. Uh, bullpens. I mean, identifying and getting to know yourself is, is just so key and, and Butch said it great. So I just wanted to throw my two cents in on that. Absolutely. Well, and a quick follow-up because part of his question, I think what John was also working to get at is, do you guys see any difference between big moments versus little moments? And again, if you, I think if you hear that, no, I mean, I think we want to be consistent. Would you guys fall with that? Yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, it's, it's a game, you know, the game creates, highs and lows and speed and slowness. And, you know, we want to create tempo. We want to, I guess you would say, push the ball up the court a little bit. We want, you know, doesn't some, I guess some people, you know, at times don't feel like we want that, but, but we do. And and, and we want to, you know, we want to build, you know, we want to build momentum and, and rhythm and flow. And, but the game, you know, sometimes it, it it comes to a screeching halt and Mm -hmm. you got to be able to deal with, you know, different things. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, the game, you know, like, like Butch said, you know, the hitters will tell you if your stuff has deception or not, or if it's too hard or too soft, or, you know, if you have good differentials and, and I think the game will, you know, prepare you as well. I mean, it's going to, it's going to test you. Mm-hmm. I mean, every game tests every pitcher. Um, you know, you know, you see guys, Oh, that's the first time out of the stretch. And now all of a sudden they struggle or, you know what, that while well, we say that alarm, you know, that alarm goes off when, Oh, no breaking ball, no change up, no inner half presence. Yeah. I mean, there, it's nonverbal communication, things pop up. So they got to be able to handle, you know, big moments mm-hmm. and, and big moments are, you know, there's no one pitch more important than the other at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, I think we, we let the game dictate that a little bit. And then we see, how guys react in those moments. And sometimes you don't, sometimes a coach, sometimes my, some of my best work is, is when I don't say anything, you know, right. it's timing. Yeah. A, a good coach has good timing and, and, you know, uh, you know, am I going to pull this kid aside on the field? Am I going to pull him in my office? Am I going to talk to him in front of the group? You know, what is the best moment to get this point across to not only him or to the, you know, the entire team. So, uh, you know, that big moment thing is, 
what everybody's after and and you know pitching out of problems is it's a big deal i mean every hall of famer has had a pitch out of problems so you know how do they do it and uh so you know there's there's a lot of different ways of doing it but i just think you know you have to self you have to look and evaluate them and maybe you don't have to fix something you know sometimes legs you know they got a good leg they got good holds you know they're already you know, off, off, you know, they're already off and running. You don't have to fix things. You don't want to fix things that are, that are not broken. And, uh, when things are going well, I, I stay the hell out of way, out of the way of guys, you know I mean? You don't want to over emphasize things. Uh, sometimes I'll overemphasize something really good. And then all of a sudden it starts not getting so good, you right. know? So it's, it's a fine line, man. And, and I'm sure Butch would say the same thing. <laughs> the dance of coaching for sure. Um, <laughs> And let's go into this. This is a question that actually came up twice, and I'm going to give both these guys the credit for it. Dan David Sr., he's dad to a high school pitcher uh, at Dan David 6'8", and also Weston Germain, another great friend of the podcast, assistant at Hamlin University in St. Paul, Minnesota, at Coach underscore Germain. They brought up weekly routines for your staff. I mean, I think any youth coach, high school coach, college coach, they just want to know, again, what maybe what they're doing is it relative to what some of the best are doing. So, Butch, when you're looking at a weekly routine for your staff, what might that look like? I know John mentioned some of the stuff they do earlier, but what are the details? And I think, you know, I know Wes's point was more to the individual side of things. So what is the process of you with an individual pitcher figuring out what works best for him, laying that out, planning that, evaluating that, reevaluating that? What's that look like on an individual basis? All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, tackle that one. <laughs> Let me say I, I can unpack this, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's short and sweet for me where I'm at now. So okay. I, I don't think we're the British Redcoats. So our pitching staff is not just lined up in straightaway formation, just walking in unison. Yeah. So if we, we've got to find an identity and we've got to find how each arm works, responds, grows, and gets to its optimal state. So if mm-hmm. we go six weeks in the fall, I really want our guys to do name their weeks, go through their weeks of day to day to day, but I want them to change it for six weeks. Okay. So there's a, there's a template of what we do as far as the bullpens and the throwing and the lifting and when all of that transpires, but I want them to change it for six weeks and I want them to be able to put a stamp on it at the end. So mm-hmm. at the end of every week, I think we should like, all right, let's try this week two. Let's try this week three. So I'm kind of the English teacher with a red pen and I'm just marking and making an adjustment. But at the end of the six week journey in the fall, they need to claim it for themselves. Um, and, and so at the end of the day, I think every pitcher has their own weekly routine that they can claim because they went through a journey to figure it out. Hmm. Um, the next thing, uh, for me, and once you claim it, you know, you have convictions of what your routine is, uh, for our staff, for our team. I want to, I want you to name every day of the week you know, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, what you're trying to get done with the team, whether uh, Monday's an intense day, um, uh, or there's a certain, certain short game Tuesday, okay. um, you know, uh, way back Wednesday, you know, whatever <laughs> you want to name it. Sure. But you'll build, baseball is so routine oriented. We'll, we'll give every, every day a name. And you can do that individually as a pitcher to where you're like your pins. Um, uh, I want fastball command and ability to dominate the running game. 
come up with a fancy word for that. But you're just trying to get it down to one word, yeah. one goal. I'll ask our players, what's your, what's your mission today? And I really only want one word. Mm-hmm. And I'm really disappointed if one of our players comes to the park and they're not trying to accomplish one goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I should be able to tap anybody any day of the week on the shoulder and say, what's your goal today? What are you trying to accomplish today? Um, not having an answer for that or a plan. I at least want our guys to get one thing done every time they take our field. That's important. And for a coach, um, have a first five. First five to start practice of focus, you know, to get the team going, to get them focused in. Can you get a a bunt down off of 90 miles per hour? Because that will make you focus uh, and do a competition. And then at the end of practice, do the last five. Let's say we gave up second base twice because we just didn't attack the running game. Well, then let's break off and do that for five minutes. I I really like having a first five and a last five, but putting in a routine of practice. That way I don't have to go home and sit in my recliner all night thinking about we got to do that tomorrow. (laughs) By having a first five and a last five, (laughs) I can really get them going and focus to unify the team. And the last five, we can really go home feeling better about something yeah. that we probably didn't do good for the last two and a half hours. But <laughs> name every day of the week. Have one goal when you come out there every day. And if, if you can do that, then you can kind of put the pieces. And you won't go three weeks without missing something. Yeah. I want our catchers to throw to bases every day. I know that sounds crazy. I know it sounds like their arms can't do it. But if it's two, two to first, two to second, two to third, I want to do it. If they can only do two that day, if they can only do 50% that day, but I just don't want to wake up because I think in coaching in the past, I've woke up two weeks down the road and our catchers have only thrown the bases three times. Right. We have to build in routine. We have to give it a name and we have to keep addressing immediately what we're not doing well. You hear that players listening to this. This is about coaching sanity more than anything. So don't, don't question when you see these things up on the on the practice plan. It's it's for sanity when we sit in the recliner. Um, that's fantastic. <laughs> John, what would you add to that? Weekly routines, details inside of it, but then you know, how do you individualize those for your guys? Well, we sit down with each individual pitcher and, and map out, like like Butch said, you map out a, a daily objective. You, you know, you whip out a uh, you know a a a, a weekly. Uh, schedules, particularly with the starters. Uh, you know, the guys that pitch a lot are the most easiest because they're, you know, they're in a routine. They, they know what each day consists of. Uh, you know, is it a long toss? Is it an off day? Is it a, you know, is it a upper, upper emphasis, you know, strength day? Is it, you know, what is it? So Monday through Sunday, the starters have a pretty good concept of what they're doing. I think really the, the tough, tougher ones are really the relievers. Uh, you know, the spot starter, yeah. uh, you know, making sure that they're touching it. Like, like Butch said, they're touching, you know, their change up every day. They're touching their, the bullpen. You know, we get on the, we get on the mound a lot. Um, it could be 45 feet. It could be dry runs. Um, you know, we want to go into the gym and, and feel the rim. I mean, we want to mm. shoot, you know, we, we want, we want feel for, uh, you know, thrown to a glove, 60 feet, six inches. Uh, we work on particular things at 45 feet with, 
you know, glove side and, and breaking balls. And we work on change-ups every day at, you know, at 70 feet and 75 feet. And, you know, we work on command release program within a certain feet. So, you know, you have concepts that you work on every day, but at the same time, you want freedom. Like, like Butch said, you want freedom in terms of adjusting and changing and, yeah. you know, challenging. And you may have a PFT game to where, you know, you're, you're, you know, see who the winner is that the outlast everybody that doesn't, he doesn't make an error, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, so you, cre- you try to create some competitive things. Uh, you know, you try to create, uh, you know, partners, uh, sometimes different partners in their, in their catch play, uh, you know, older guys with, with younger guys. And then, okay, let's get the two freshmen and see who's, you know, David Berg was one of our guys that, mm-hmm. you know, one of the best closers of all time really was, I mean, he was one of the best things he did in our program was get other guys better and whoever he played wow. cats with. So it's, it's just, uh, you know, you know, it, it, routines are important. Uh, like, like Butch said, but at the same time you have to adjust. Maybe we throw one bullpen this week. Maybe, maybe we go one short bullpen at 45 and then a long bullpen. Maybe, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with shorter days. So just in terms of, you know, uh, you know, uh, conditioning and, and, and lifting and throwing and, you know, you got to make sure you're on the same page as your strength coach and what are they do, you know, doing with, uh, doing that particular day. And mm-hmm. you try to map everything out. You try to control as much as you can, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's like, you know, it, like we said, it's, it's, they have to know their plan. Uh, they, they can tweak it. No problem. They go a certain, you know, they go from 90 feet. Now I want to stretch it out a little bit, or, you know, maybe I don't want to stretch it out. So, uh, it's just having that awareness of what's going to allow you to be, to be good on game day. And, and, it, and it's a buildup, you know, we play yeah. four days a week. Uh, we play Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, you know, you should have that, that little routine weekly calendar in your, in your brain and, mm-hmm. and what works, uh, you know, to, to allow you to be, uh, to be healthy and to be on time. That's it. You bursted my Berg bubble. I was going to drop that on you here in a couple of questions. But before we get to that one, because we're talking about drop down guys, talk about this one. And, and John, start us off. This is from Andrew Taylor. He's a jack of all trades. According to his Twitter account, he's a dad, he's a husband, he's a coach, he's a DJ. So if you're going to throw a party out there, especially Butch and John, just let me know. I can get you in touch with Andrew. He's at Coach Drew, huh. and that's actually seven R's. Drew, it really draws it out. But he's talking about arm slot issues, and I think it's relative to uh, guys that maybe you're recruiting on the high school level and you see something funky, and is it something that uh, you'll work on when they get there? Do you feel like you can fix certain mechanical fixes, or is it one of those things that, man, it's, it's funky, I know it doesn't look right, it's probably not biomechanically right, but it's getting people out. How would you approach that? Well, I think you know you always want to look at what their natural slot is and, and what's allowing them to, to get the ball on the plate. Mm-hmm. Where are they on the rubber? Are they on the first base side? Are they on the third base side? Yep. You know, is it a, you know, is it a problem coming out of the out of the glove? Are they on time with their separation that's allowing them to get to their, you know, to their tunnel? Um, is it is it a two piece arm? Is it a one piece arm? Is it, you know, is it a how far is it away from the head? Is mm-hmm. it, you know, is it a low three quarters? Is it three quarters? So. There's a lot of things that you, you watch through video and, and slow, you know, slow camera stuff and, 
you could see where their where is their biggest connection with the catcher's glove for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like you're putting the you're putting the hand into the catcher's glove. Where is that sweet spot that's going to allow them to repeat themselves routinely and to get a me first you, you know, proposition mm-hmm. of of you know uh, and and not being bored with repeating mm-hmm. and. And, you know, uh, like, like Butch said, you can, you can change your delivery, uh, timing and, uh, leg lifts and, and so forth. But, you know, what is their best sweet spot delivery, uh, and, uh, or not delivery, but, uh, release point. And so, you know, uh, where, where their front foot lands, like Butch said, where, where their front foot lands creates their line. Uh, they get, they can get a lot of feedback from dirt uh, on the mound. You know, you, you can get feedback on a, on a football field with lines. Uh, you can create really good lines sometimes when you're out in space and there's no lines and there's no markings. That, you know, kids can get haywire and they can get misdirected and they can land closed or they can land open. You know, closed is the, more, the most common thing, but it's about direction and it's about um, – you know, getting that ball out of the glove on time. You know, Jerry Weinstein back in the day at Sac City would always have those guys release, uh, you know, their separation as like early as possible to mm-hmm. get their hand up and out. You know, mm-hmm. the Sac City pitchers did that in the fall to mm-hmm. almost overemphasize it, you know, rather than, I, you know, rather than kind of having their hands stuck in that peanut butter and, you know, they're, they're, they're late in separating and therefore, you know, we want to be slow and late. Uh, we don't want to be fast and early. Mm. Uh, so, you know, um, every arm action is, is different. Every release is different. But uh, there again, I think you have to find that players, uh, you know, and, and then a lot of times they can throw from different angles. You know, some guys can throw from different angles. They mm-hmm. can drop down and they can, you know, with, with, with the thought of still dominating the baseball. So. Uh, you know, you don't want to create things that are not going to allow them to be successful. So, yeah. uh, a lot of factors, but, um, uh, I think the dropping down thing is really, a, I don't want to say a last ditch effort, but, uh, you know, you don't want to be completely cookie cutter or vanilla, but you want to be able to get to that guy's release spot, uh, to where he's the most efficiently, you know, uh, hitting the glove. That's it. Butch, how do you approach that? And again, I think it's probably maybe relative also to a recruiting issue. Like John said, I know that if I can fix these couple little things, I can probably clean up some of that stuff. Do you feel the same way in terms of arm slots? And then what, what might be some of those mechanical fixes uh, that you would approach it with? Well, I think we want a pitcher to have an identity as a coach. We need to know our, our identity as well. Hmm. I think there's probably some things that I can see out of a pitcher, a style of pitcher that I've had feel like I've had great success and have confidence in working with. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a couple of trademark or features that I see in a pitcher that I have not through my career <laughs> have worked well with. Sure. So that's one way to stop it right there. Yeah. Is, uh, but I think we're talking about, you know, you, you have a young person and he's yours and you got to make the most of it. Cause I think most of us at uh, uh, still amateur baseball, but at an, at an advanced level, mm-hmm. I think the last thing we want to do is starting to fool with, you know, the natural organization of the body mm-hmm. and changing arm slots. So I, 
you know, we really try to keep it to, you know, we're trying to gather energy and deliver in a straight line and where the head goes, the arm has a tendency to follow yes, and, sir. you know, some basic, basic principles. But I, I do think that's why it's important to really video hmm. as soon as you get a guy. And even back to the recruiting tapes when they were sophomore and they were a high school All-American. and But just having that journal of video is going to help you at some point. Yeah. It helps us from the standpoint of when, you know, hey, they go from being a starter because most of our guys come to us, they've been a starter their whole life, and now we're asking them to be a reliever. Mm-hmm. And now they're throwing, they may have gotten in three times in one week, and two weeks later, their bodies still because that's the first time they've ever been asked to do that. There's yeah. some consequences and that slot might, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys young, you know, they start uh, throwing over their slot <laughs> and, you know, being able to have that video back when everything was, when they were at their best really helps a ton to kind of piece some of this stuff together. When you feel like somebody's not commanding the ball as well, he's elevating the zone more consistently. Mm-hmm. So that is, that, that really helps. And then when you feel like somebody just gets kind of lost in a slot, you know, I think um, we do want to avoid it, but I think we've, we've hit fungo, like put them in left field and ask them to throw a guy out, guy out at home plate. Mm. Sometimes over, over distance, the arm may naturally fall into what is his strongest, uh, most efficient slot to cover that distance instead of just focusing at 60 feet. Mm-hmm. I think you can even go and pick me being a left-hander picking the first base. Sometimes if we feel like the lefty's over a slot, just picking the first base, doing a step off pick to first base, even may help us get, if we're trying to get the slot back to normal, if we found it on video, getting the hand and ball away from the head a little bit. Sometimes that shows up on a step off pick, mm-hmm. trying to throw a change up and having the front side a little bit open. If you're a left-handed pitcher versus an opposite hitter, which is right-handed, maybe picking the first base is a great way to learn how to throw your changeup. Sure, yeah. Because you, it, it's easier to get to the inside of the baseball, and then you translate back to the mound. So I don't know if they're gimmicks. I don't know what you would call <laughs> it. But those have been a couple, of, a couple of things we've used just to try to trigger the mind in a slot because I don't want to start talking s- slots with guys. Mm-hmm. I really want them to say, Win this drill. Throw this guy out at the plate. You know, throw mm-hmm. a change up on your pick to first base. I want them to just win the drill while maybe I'm trying to get something back in line with their slot without really talking about slot. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, and this takes us in, again, to ask this to you two guys, especially uh, Butch. I think you spoke at convention a number of years ago on drop-down sidearm type guys and how to develop that and give some creativity and different looks out of your bullpen. John, you mentioned it earlier again, burst in my bubble, but David Berg and one of the greatest closers of all time inside of college baseball and, and his angle. So this question's for me. This is from Jeremy Sheener at Coach Sheets 3. This, I wanted to ask you to this, to have you both on the call when you're talking about those guys, and Butch start us off on this one, when is the right time to change a guy? And I mean, I'm, I'm talking about a change from a over-the-top Righty, and if you guys will think back uh, at University of Kentucky before I got there, Gary Henderson had taken a guy like Greg Dombrowski, who was an over-the-top right-handed pitcher at 90, and took him and made him a sidearm pitcher at 
83 to 85. And I think he's the career win percentage leader there at the University of Kentucky over four years. So it's happened and guys have success doing it. But when do you think, Butch, is the right time to do it? And then what's your process to getting there to where they feel confident on the bump? Mine was I wanted to honestly win a national championship. And <laughs> yep. we're playing we're playing in the Southeastern Conference and Ray Tanner wins it back-to-back. And he's got two guys throwing 80 to 82 That's that are right. factoring into 45 or 50 games. Yes. And then, and then the second piece where it really became activated for me is – playing for a national championship against coach Savage, That's right. yep. David Berg mm-hmm. sitting there throwing from, <laughs> from that slot. And I'm like, uh, I want that. Yeah. I have to go pursue that. Yep. And I got a really good friend who's my next door neighbor now in Auburn is Scott Sullivan, who had over 600 appearances mm-hmm. in major league baseball, primarily with, uh, uh, Cincinnati Reds. And then a second good friend from Mississippi, um, was Chad Bradford. Mm-hmm. who was in Moneyball. And, yeah. Um, so we just started doing, you know, we've done four drop-down camps yeah. uh, since. And um, the the problem, the things that I think I'm learning is I just, you know, I was a short left-handed average velocity left-hander, and I just wanted that tool in my bag from seeing guys reach greatness and not having that tool in my bag. Mm-hmm. So I think it was good to go get those 1,200 major league appearances join forces to teach me how to become a better pitching coach. So that's where my drop down thing started. A couple of things that I think I've, I've learned is, you know, just if you, if you can remove pride, you can do it. If Mm -hmm. you can't remove pride, it's really hard to do. Wow. Um, I think it's, it's a weaker position to put your body in that state. Mm -hmm. And I think an overhand breaking ball is just the same from, from a drop down guy. It's just, the posture there's a posture change That's but it. i think the hand the hand elbow shoulder relationship is exactly the same for whatever reason with drop down guys we call them sliders but really it's nothing but a but a sideways curveball yeah. you know you got to hook your wrist and you're throwing it the same way you would an overhand breaking ball it's just a postural change mm-hmm. um and then the other thing that i've learned because we've had some guys have really good success even all the way to the big league level is I'm not sure somebody that's throwing upright or more traditional that doesn't have command is a guy to drop down. Hmm. Every guy that has seemed to have failed is a guy that didn't have command and we, and we tried to drop them down. Yeah. Everybody that we've yeah. had success, everybody that's had success has been a guy that's been up top. We got to the point of removal of pride. They mm-hmm. wanted to help the program. We moved them down. Because when you put yourself in a weaker position, I think the, com- the ability to command the baseball becomes more important. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of guys without command, it's a drop down guy. You know, they it's the right on right, and they hit yeah. they get right handers as much as they throw it over the plate. Sure. Um, so we're, 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 we've learned a ton, but it was really just the earnest of making yourself more a complete pitching coach. And mm-hmm. you have seen a huge trend to it, and it's helped some guys extend, create, give a role and and do some things with, uh, you know, careers when somebody just can't keep up with, you know, like major league baseball as velocities went up, up, you know, a half a mile per hour for the last eight consecutive years or whatever it is. It has at least created a niche for some. Yeah. So John relative to David, was he like that coming out of high school? 
or was that something that you moved him into? And then obviously expand upon that question. No, he, he was that he was like that his senior year okay. at, at Bishop Amat, and and he you know came in with that. But for us, it's it's we're, you know it's it's a last resort, you know, last way of getting competitive, and um, you know a lot of times it just you know you look at softball and you see the amount of throws those pitchers make and the underhand throw and mm-hmm. you know the, the the less stress it just you know it just seems like they can go forever. And, um, you know, David was an example of that really. And I think, you know, it's somehow it, it, it takes the mental game away a little bit in, in, in a positive way. They just, I don't want to say chuck it up there, but it's, it's, you know, yeah. almost underhand and, sure. and it's, uh, you know, there's just a freedom of the mind, I guess you would say that, right. I've, I've, I've noticed, uh, with, with guys like that. So, um, you know, we don't have right now, we don't have one guy that does that. Um, mm. we've had, you know, guys since David, but, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a weapon like, like Butch said, and, uh, you know, there's a place and there's a time and, uh, you know, when that person gets into that, uh, that ego set aside, it could work. So yeah. it's, uh, it's fun to watch and, uh, sometimes painful to get there, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it can be effective. That's it. Last few questions I got for you guys. I'm let you get back to your day, but, but one is again, one that comes up quite a bit and maybe not as much as what you guys deal with, but you certainly have, uh, ideas that can help these coaches. And this comes from the Maryland Heights post two thirteen Legion team there in Missouri at MH two one three baseball. And they're talking about two way guys. So having a, a position player, that certainly is good on the mound for you in some capacity, whether it's a starter, reliever, closer, and then how do you handle their specific routines? I think that's always, especially on the amateur level, consideration of arms and health and safety. Uh, John, how would you attack the two-way player? How do you attack at UCLA, but how would how would a high school coach go about that? Well, I think a college coach has it much, much easier than a high school coach. Sure. I mean, high school yeah. coaches, you know, you're dealing with much less numbers. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with, uh, a lot of times one of the best players, a two-way guy. So I think you just have to be very careful on practice and infield the next day and outfield the next day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are they doing, uh, you know, uh, two days before? They, you know, are they getting a, a, the, the correct amount of bullpens in? Or are they hitting, hitting, pitching, and then hitting more and then pitching and then you know, they're not really building their arm. They're not really building their bullpen, you know, repertoire. So yep. it's challenging for a high school coach. Uh, my brother, Pete, uh, as you know, she yeah. is a very successful high school coach yep. in Reno. And future podcast talk about guest. this a lot. Yeah, he's, he's great. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's, uh, you know, it, it's a challenge for college. It, it's easier. Uh, you're talking about a potential DH. You're talking about you know, a left-handed arm that, okay, he can play first. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can put him in the, you know, you possibly could put him in the outfield. Uh, you can DH him. Um, you can protect him. You know, those shortstop pitchers these days are, <laughs> you know, for, for high school, that, <laughs> that's, tough. that's the, I don't want to say lethal combination, but that's what they all deal with. Yeah. And I think you just have to manage it. You have to sit down and manage it with that player. And you talk about weekly counters and daily counters and, rest and bullpen work and overuse and, mm-hmm. you know, relief for starting. And, you know, you really have to map it out. You have to have a plan to where 
they're getting enough rest and they're also getting enough reps to where, you know, they don't get hurt and mm-hmm. they can build up their arm and they can build up their, their, uh, you know, pitching, uh, uh, you know, uh, pitch, uh, pitching, uh, pitchability, uh, library basically. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a challenge and I don't wish it upon anybody. Um, and I think it's just so, uh, critical that, uh, you know, you communicate with that person. Some guys don't want to pitch and they're two way guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to get that feedback. So just a lot of things that you have to get with, with the two way guy. It's much easier for Butch and myself to manage, I think, than certainly a high school guy. And, uh, you know, they're dealing with, you know, 12 position players or three pitchers and 17 players. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they play a little less. Uh, that's one thing they do have going for them. They play, they do play less games than we do, but, at the same time, uh, you know, it's just I just have a plan would be my best advice. Yeah, that's good. Butch, anything to add to that? That it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> you know, even at our level, I, I agree with everything. That, uh, I thought you were going to go. John period. Just said, but, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> uh, I'm almost there. The couple of things is just reiterate the mapping of the week. Yeah, and I think with a dual guy, because you never know, it hmm. can just change. Mm-hmm. When John was talking about, hey, we probably change our routine and maybe one pin this week, two pins. I think you're with a dual guy. You're constantly every week changing that. Mm. Uh, get a bucket. You know, they might be your shortstop. Oftentimes they play one of the premium positions, and you yeah. might have to get a bucket. And they drop the ball in the bucket, but agreeing upon that. And I think that player, especially if he's in high school, he's got he's to give the coach a number between 1 and 10 every day. Mm. Uh, maybe he does it at night, or maybe he does it first thing in the morning. Uh, or, hey, I'm a, I'm a seven today, mm-hmm. or I'm a nine today, to help the coach kind of maybe plan it out before he gets to the field that day. Because, the, you know, a lot of times we get, in a prob- we get into problems when we assume something. Yeah. So having that player's feedback and that it has to be another step of communication and connection with that coach and player. And then, you know, why I say it's just tough is just, you know, we, we have a Tim Hudson, you know, from our program here at mm-hmm. Auburn, but – Boy, you can start naming them on on one or two hands, you know, the dual guys through the years. That's it's, right. It's not a large number, you know, that have really done it at, at a high level. That's it. Okay. Last big question I have from our listeners, uh, Ethan Gwevin, who's at Keep Playing BB, again, loyal ABCA member, jumps ABCA chats quite a bit. And this is a recruiting question. So this is relative to what you're talking about, what those guys are dealing with. When you're looking at recruiting, and Butch, you're you have similar guys, so you're following two different players, two different pitchers, and the measurables are in essence the same. The stuff there's not much variation off one or the other, but past that, and, I'm, and this is probably leading towards those X factor things, those character things. What are the separators that lead you a little bit closer to your choice as to this is a person to be a perfect fit for our program? Uh, I use John Maxwell. I stole this line like in 2002, and it's uh, it's pretty neat to be able to hold it all the way to 2019. Mm. You get who you are, not who you want. Yeah. So Love I'm gonna it. start off by saying your your program better have a certain identity, and it needs to be good because you're going to attract who you are. Mm. Mm. So that's the number one thing from a culture standpoint is you need to be making sure yeah. that. You're, you're really invested in the identity of your ball club because people are going to see it and you're going to attract who you are. Uh, getting to the player, I think the couple of biggest things, if all things are equal um, and somebody can, you know, it matches financially and, and all these different things. Yeah. Um, 
I want to know who they're running with. So I have to figure out the one, two or three people that they're really, really running with who they've made choices to run with at that time. Um, do they sincerely want to pursue a degree? That's a huge question. Yeah. We're getting a pretty high level. Of, we're getting a pretty high level of players. Right. Are they just going to come in and it's going to be like pulling teeth and sitting in the dentist chair for two or three years because they're just coming to play ball? Mm-hmm. Do they sincerely want to pursue a degree at Auburn University? And then number three, how do they respect their mom? I really want to see them in a room with us having a conversation and how they respect their mother. Wow. Um, because some of the biggest turnoffs to me personally has to do with <laughs> maybe a lack of respect or talking over mm-hmm. um, or, or not, you know, putting a lot of value and respect to their mom mm-hmm. or talking, talking negatively about uh, one of their coaches from the past. Yeah. Because sometimes those trends are really hard for, for us to break. Uh, and you have to, you get a chance when you recruit the high school coach doesn't always get that, but a lot of times a college coach, we get a choice of what we bring in the intangibles. We bring in the people we bring into our program. And those are three big ones for me. Fantastic. John, take us home on that question in terms of recruiting similar stuff across the board, but what separates guys for you? Uh, a lot like Butch. I mean, it's, it's, you know, what fits, in our program, what is a UCLA guy, mm-hmm. uh, self-starter, self-motivated, uh, talks for himself, uh, respects his family, respects his coaches. Uh, I, I, I agree with, you know, when, when a guy's talking about his teammates or he's talking about, uh, you know, in a negative way or his, his coaches, uh, I do like talking to coaches about other players in their league. Uh, you know, who is the toughest pitcher you faced? Who is the toughest out you faced? Uh, you know, just in terms of the game itself. But uh, in terms of UCLA, you know, we're looking for, uh, you know, the toughness. We're looking for that competitiveness. And, you know, we're looking for a guy that can handle both sides of the spectrum academically at UCLA and then certainly handle the, you know, the, the uh, Pac-12 and the guy that can, uh, you know, fit into a team environment uh, who can be a, who could be a Bruin who, mm-hmm. who's, who signed up, who's, who is signing up for a team sport. Uh, you know, this is a team sport. Yeah. And if you, if you don't want to be a team, then you go play golf or you go play tennis or, you know, you go do something by yourself. Uh, so we, we emphasize being part of a team, uh, fitting into a culture, uh, finding a role, finding a niche for yourself and, and, and to contribute. Um, you know, and, and try to be a, a productive member of that team picture at the end of the day of, of a guy that, uh, you know, helped the team, helped the team win and helped the team be, uh, get better. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that we look for. And a lot of times we're right. And a lot of times we have to mold a guy and redo a guy maybe. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to do a lot of that. But, uh, and I'm just talking about on the, you know, the approach side and mental side, but. Um, you know, a lot of times you never know what you have until you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that is, I don't care how often you see a guy play, uh, you don't know what he is until you're around him every day. And then it, when that, when that happens, uh, you can really find out a lot about a player, uh, how tough he is, uh, how competitive he is, how important it is to him. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of things that we look at, um, you know, some, some, some kids come from really tough families and, and could be 
you know, a perfect fit. Uh, so it's not always, you know, uh, the environment that they're in. It's just about how can they adapt to our environment? Are they, you know, are they, are they doers? Are they, uh, you know, people that have awareness? Are they touching other people? Are they making other people around them better? So there's so many factors mm-hmm. and, and they're young, like, you know, they're 17, they're 16, they're 18. And, you know, people can make mistakes a lot of times. So, um, there's no perfect science to recruiting and there's, there's not one perfect way. I think it, you have to go with your gut. You have to go with your experience uh on on the makeup part the makeup is really the sixth tool that we're looking for everybody knows what the other five tools are but uh you know does that player going to fit in and is he willing to like butch said is he willing to do everything possible to get his degree you know within four years or or play three years and and uh you know is he going to be a a productive member of your program is the bottom line Okay, last question I got. We never end a podcast without asking this because I think you just get some great people on here. And we want to just, again, leave it on a great note. So, John, when you're thinking about the best advice you've been given, this can be as a pitching coach, this can just be as a baseball coach in general, it could just be life advice. What's the best advice you've been given? And then what other advice do you have? Just lay it on the table for our guys. You coach only what you know. Uh, whenever I try to be somebody else or I try to give out information that I don't know much about, I'm not very, I'm not very good. Sure. Um, I, I, you know, when I, I had to go up and talk science in front of a, you know, a class, I, I would be lost. And if I try to pretend you can't fake it, you can't pretend you can't, you can't make stuff up on the, on the go. Yeah. Uh, I think you just have to be genuine. Uh, you have to know yourself. Uh, you have to be comfortable, uh, with yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be able to communicate. Uh, with your coaches, you have to be able to communicate uh, with your players. Uh, you don't always want to be the one that's doing all the talking. You want to be a very good listener uh, at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, nothing's perfect. Nothing's as good as it looks and nothing's as bad as it looks, uh, I, I guess they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be, you want to build a foundation. You want to build a, uh, you know, standards to your program, uh, to your, you know, career. And, uh, just keep plugging away, man. And, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, peaks and valleys along the way, but I think consistency is, is certainly, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of my strengths, I don't know, good or bad, but I'm consistent, uh, in my approach and my players know what to expect from me. I think that's important. You don't want to be Jekyll and Hyde and, and treat them one way one day and then go off on them the next day. And then, yeah. you know, nice to them the next day and just, you know, you just don't want to send mixed messages, um, you know, being, being comfortable on, on what you say, a timing of messages, I think is critical. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, uh, you know, some things are some, some things are better off not said, um, in a lot of ways, or maybe said the next day or in your office. And so nobody has it figured out. I, I clearly don't have it figured out. I just think it's just a matter of getting better each and every day. And, and knowing that uh, you're in it for the long haul and you're enjoying it and, and uh, you know, enjoy what you're doing. And, and uh, it's not all fun and games. We understand that, but understand that it's a, it's a big picture career. And, and uh, you know, you're going to have to do, try to learn as much as you can, try to do as much as you can, uh, you know, on the field, uh, you know, uh, hitting, pitching, throwing, whatever, 
and then and then you know you become you, be, you become more round, you know well rounded, and and you give yourself a chance. You got to give yourself a chance, and I think that's the best you know approach that you can take. That's so good, Butch. Take us home as well, man. Best advice, other advice. What do you got to offer? You know, I mentioned early, and John just brought it up again. Teach what you know. Yeah. Um, from Brian Shoot was the first bit of advice I ever got. Um, two, John mentioned earlier today, uh, never stop learning. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's really huge. You see a lot of companies through the years that uh, they kind of John Cohen had always said the six bad words is we've always done it this yeah, way. If right. you're not constantly trying to keep learning, <clears throat> you're heading for something that you're not going to be excited about. Yeah. Um, number three, from a coaching standpoint, for my career, I think I spent a lot of time early getting a player, especially a pitcher, and just focusing on his weaknesses and trying to make those better. I, I think the last 15 years has been better for me as a coach, and we've had more growth by taking somebody's strengths and making their strengths better yeah. than over-focusing on their weaknesses. And if I could tell anybody coaching players <laughs> – I just think human nature, we try to go say that's a huge weakness and we go attack the weakness. And so what, if I got, you know, if I got 35 players and all I do is work on their weaknesses, we're we're our game. Sometimes I think we get the biggest gain from making a strength 5% better. And now maybe you're the best in America at doing something. Mm. Uh, That's a huge takeaway for me. Todd Gonger and a lot of people, this book run across the country, but you know, at the end of the day, whether you're, you're in a good run and, you're you're playing for championships or whether you're feel like you're in a valley uh todd gonger's got a great book just lead for god's sake mm-hmm. sometimes just continue to keep up a good fight uh consistency i've used that from from just listening to john and then you know lastly i would just say never forget we're just we're, we're here to make a difference and it's not about you i think when i first started my career i was i was trying to create for me and my my wife a a career and I got to do this and <laughs> I got to make a name for myself. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm so thankful to be a part of my career where, man, I just wish I would have started it sooner, sooner, sooner. Just, just, you're here to make a difference, find your purpose and it not being about you and, and really how you can help everybody else accomplish their goals yeah. to the best of your ability. And, and, and you'll be blessed because of it. The humility, the transparency, all that stuff is apparent. What I love about it is you two guys, you wake up each day, you run terrific pitching staffs, and you didn't know, but you can add this to your resume. You also create certified audio gold podcasts because this one is going to be mega popular with our guys in terms of what you guys have offered. Talking from the pitching end with Butch Thompson from Auburn and John Savage from UCLA. Gentlemen, best of luck the rest of the way. Certainly following along. Hope to see you soon, and uh, best of luck. Again, thanks for jumping on with us. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for bringing a podcast like this where we just, instead of four days in January, we can grow and develop throughout the year by what you're doing with the APCA. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Steve. Thanks so much for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and connecting with these great teachers and coaches. If you're interested in more of these shows, check us out on iTunes, hit subscribe, and dive right in or head over to abca.org slash podcast and scroll through all of our episodes. Another huge thanks to the great people over at AstroTurf for sponsoring this podcast. So if you're looking to do any field upgrades at your facility, head over to astroturf.com 
That's astroturf.com and see why they have been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. Now here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, our mission is to serve coaches around the world. So let us know how we can help. Head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information, also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ABCA1945. And make sure you subscribe to our new YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash ABCA1945 for the latest videos and projects that we have on deck for each of you. And finally, feel free to reach out to me directly if I can help you out on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. We'd love to hear from our loyal members and continue to find ways to keep growing the game together. So as always, coaches, thanks for staying dialed into our Calls to the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball. Baseball.